Hi, this is Patrick Ray, director of I Am Lisa, Nailbiter, and Arbor Demon, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that appreciates the complexity and diversity of the dish known as poutine my name is greg d i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we're kicking off a month of higher education as we study up on some of our favorite school-based horror films and we start things with a little canadian education by talking 1987's hello mary lou prom night two and whether you're all about studying or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your wop, bob, a loo, bob, a wham, bam, boom hole. <laughs> and of course, if you're looking for something to do in homeroom, uh, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course, it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and fancy shenanigans. And as this episode is releasing on Friday, August 6th, if we're talking shenanigans here, Screenland Armor, they've got your shenanigans and genre needs taken care of indoors, outdoors, and virtually. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start indoors, genius. And on that very Friday, August 6th, we talked about it last week because we're smart enough now to promote next Friday night's right. Fright. Uh, but the one we're going to be playing on the 6th, it's going to be a first-timer for me. It's an I've seen that. Yeah. And I believe... I saw it in the theater, but I have not seen it since. And my um, opinion on it wasn't 100% glowing. At the time, back in 2005. Right. So I'm looking forward. That's one cool thing about Friday Night Frights. Not only does it give us a chance to see new ones, but it also gives us a chance to revisit some old favorites and some ones that maybe we need to take a look at. And what's wonderful is this particular film uh, is, if it didn't already come out, it is getting a boutique Blu-ray release Mm -hmm. and is definitely getting more of a cult following. Right. We're talking the remake of House of Wax. Mm Mm-hmm. A good uh, opening salve for that would be Wax Mask. Well, and I also understand, and this is an I've seen that for me, where I can say, oh, yeah, the one that's more tourist trap than House of Wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> no Yuck Connors, though. No Yuck Connors. But we do have the aforementioned Paris Hilton. Mm-hmm. And that's the other <laughs> thing that I do distinctly remember people reacting to in that film. So I am very much looking forward to seeing that for the first time up on the big screen. But then next Friday, Ooh. it's a Friday the 13th. <laughs> And we've got a lot to choose from. We're going to do the Jason. <laughs> <laughs> but we decided to go with a film that we actually just celebrated because it actually competed in this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Mm-hmm. We're talking 1981's Friday the 13th. Part 2. The scariest one. That's the scary one for mm-hmm. me. That's the one that I think has the best final girl. Uh, Amy Steele is as Jenny. It's got actually, it's uh, it's the meanest one of the meanest ones too. It's the Mark kill mm-hmm. from the side. Yes, it's the it's the stairs. It's it's every again. It's everything you need in a Friday the Thirteenth film and then some. So yeah, make sure to look forward to that. But then on the weekend of August sixth, uh, staying indoors, a film that I watched for the first time, and I'm curious to see. If you dig it or not, if you do see it, mm-hmm. uh, but Green Knight will be playing still. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I, I'm apprehensive. I mean, I'm curiously apprehensive. You know what I'm saying? Because like, I don't have the best track record sure. with A24, but at the same time, it looks interesting enough to hold my attention. I really enjoyed it. If you want to see it on this weekend sometime, let me know. I will definitely go see it with you. But a film that is a new release that we know we're going to be seeing this weekend, James Gunn's. Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Right? I have to differentiate as a sequel, I guess. I'm looking forward to seeing Sylvester Stallone as a big-ass shark. Plus, it's got a little bit of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. 
I mean, I'm down. I'm and down. Starro the Conqueror as Starro the villain. Starro out of nowhere. That's great. That is a wonderful thing. I never saw, thought I would actually see And I distinctly remember him being on the, the villain of the Justice League all the time and just some of the great covers mm-hmm. because he gets the little the star, star right on their face. Yes, that he controls yeah. them. Kind of like uh, the face hugger, but a big old starfish. Like if Patrick from SpongeBob went rogue. There we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> and I quite I've heard just so many good things that it's uh funny, it's gory, it's offensive. It's James Gunn. It's everything that we want. Mm-hmm. Now if Rated you want our James Gunn. Yeah, not not trauma James Gunn. No. <laughs> There's a little bit of a leash on him there. But if you want to get classy this weekend, uh they are gonna be showing Andre Tarkovsky's mirror. Now, Andre Tarkovsky, he is the gentleman, Russian uh filmmaker Solaris. The ah, original, uh-huh. a number of films. So again, getting classy, which I appreciate. Uh, but if you're not ready to go indoors, well, then outdoors on Friday night, it's inconceivable if you haven't seen this film. We're talking a classic, The Princess Bride. I adore that movie. That movie is so good. I don't think you can watch that being like, man, fuck that movie. I think that has to warm everybody's heart who's seen that, at if, least at some point. I'll tell you what. Those rodents of unusual sizes are scary as fuck. I know they're like Jim Henson craziness, but at the same time, no. If one of those things was in my yard, oh, hell no. Fire swamp or not. Uh. See, I just don't think they exist, genius, so we're fine. (laughs) Now, that one, I, I have to agree with you. That is one of those litmus test films that if someone doesn't like, that's fine. I just don't know how well I'll get along with them at that point. Your soul is dog shit. (laughs) <laughs> well, then on a Saturday, a film that we have celebrated and talked about multiple times, uh, you dare say it's perfection, we're talking 1990s, Tremors. Hey, I found the ass in! I, that movie is great. I saw that at the drive-in. That movie is great. It has probably one of my favorite uh, F-word uses that they allowed for like a PG-13 horror film. Uttered by Kevin Bacon. Fuck you! Right up there. It's so freaking good. Uh, just a great creature feature film, great practical work, uh, and also one that spawned a franchise, franchise based Crazy on graboids and ass blasters and all kinds of shit. Uh, so that'll be on Saturday evening. Plus now it's got Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre. Oh, didn't get any penetration, penetration with, with the, the elephant, elephant gun. gun. I mean, how many, how often do you say that daily, there, genius? <laughs> Um, now, if you, of course, are maybe living afar outside of the Kansas City area and you would like to support Screenland, well, you can do indeed do that uh, by becoming a member of their film family by heading over to patreon.com slash Screenland. And amongst the tiers they have, they've got the Screenland podcast. Of course, you can rent films from them by going to screenlandonline.com. But one of the tiers they have is a little uh, watch party that we host called the Shutter Shutout. Mm-hmm. And in fact, our next one is going to be coming up on August 28th, where we're going to be uh, we're going to be craving some Crampton. Yes, uh, Barbara Crampton double feature with Jacob's wife and, and a mystery movie. Yes, we're still deciding on what we. <laughs> it's a mystery to us two. too. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, those two films are streaming on Shutter. Now, what we provide is a little customized content. It's almost like us doing a movie. It's Nightmare Junkhead, the home home version, Mm -hmm. uh, where we put together a customized pre-show. We introduce the film. We've got trailer reels. And, of course, the post-film discussion always leads to some shenanigans, potentially. Yeah. Uh, But you can get uh, access to that by, again, heading over to patreon.com slash screenland. But genius, if we're talking film family and Patreon, we, of course, have our own little film family that we're putting together at patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. And got to give a special shout out to film family members that were at our last Friday Night Fright, which was Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Uh, Thank you, Diana and Chad, for coming out. And what'd you think? Okay. What you think, Mi- man? Mi- mini, we'll probably have to do an episode proper, but like, well, and I was gonna say, actually, is if you are one of our pallies over at Patreon, you can actually hear my thoughts on this film as a part of the I've seen that challenge. I loved it, man. It was. I'm glad I saw it as an adult, yeah, rather than a kid. Yeah, I wouldn't have got it as a kid. I would not have. I would have been bored as a kid. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, as an adult now, I think that film plays. Almost more relevant now than it did in seventy one. It's seventies A twenty four, and I love it for that. You know, 
I'm telling you, if they made it, I mean, I don't hate all of A24 movies, but at the say, same no, time, there's a, there's a certain, they, so they have a certain flavor, right? They do. It's such a haunting picture of like being gaslit and like all sorts of stuff. And it portrays the, the, the message. And what I love is you're in her head and you're hearing all the horrible shit that's going on in there. All the self-doubt. The, right. The, they're not going to believe you. And then when she's sobbing He wants him, her, doesn't he? And you're like, fuck. And then finally, like, man. Well, and then the when the ending kicked in. The ending when it just happened. Yes. I was doing a little peripheral viewing that evening because, let's just say this, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, I had somewhat of a mini panic attack uh, on our Friday Night Fright after the yakety schmackety. I actually went home. But this is why I love Screenland, because then on Monday night, they replayed Let's Scare Jessica to Death. And I had just planned it would probably be me and maybe a handful of people. Mm-hmm. A Monday evening, 9 o'clock, Let's Scare Jessica to Death screening is not going to attract a lot of people. Oh, no. Or so I thought. Right. We had at least 15 people at that Monday night screening. Because we had a nice turnout that Friday. Friday's was fantastic. Yeah. Right? And like I think more than at least more than half seen it for the first time. But those people who love that movie. In fact, when I left, I so the peripheral viewing, there were a number of youngsters in front of me. And I mean late teens, early 20s. So they were young kids. But one of the girls in the group was very physically reacting to everything, whether there was confoundment, because you could tell they didn't know. They were, they were trying to follow along. Mm-hmm. But then when the weird stuff would happen, you could just see her like, what the she fuck would is happening? roll forward in her seat. You know, she was physically reacting to it. It was great. And then when the weirdness really kicked in at the very end, I saw her do the like that. And I was just like smiling all the while because I was loving the film, but seeing a youngster react to it, a youngster, but just seeing a younger crowd react to it. Mm-hmm. And they were great, wonderfully behaved. And that was my other fear. I was like, oh no, kids, youths. They were engrossed with the movie. And so it just goes to show that something, even though it's like, you know, and a quote old film unquote it can still be powerful well and that's one thing i like about like oh, today's generation here i said as i yell at a cloud right but like our generation really topics of like mental health and shit was taboo mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying we grew up in the 80s when like we couldn't say kind of shit like that you could talk, you didn't talk about you know? it no but now today's generation they're taught that shit in school they're taught from a young age like if you feel something say something yes. you know and like it's cool that like they have enough background while yet they have to be older to mm-hmm. really fully get it they have enough information that they can like figure out what's going on and what the message is, which were, as us as youngsters, we would have been fucking lost. I would oh, yeah. have despised that movie back in the day. Completely. Like, I would have been like, this movie is bullshit. But now I'm like, dude, this movie is great. This movie is thought-provoking and haunting. And you can see why Stephen King, it's one of his favorite horror films. Mm-hmm. But in attendance was one of the gentlemen, he was there, actually, he was the one that had seen the movie. Oh, he, he was the super fan. He was he there for a second lo- viewing. He came out and he goes, that's how you make a horror movie. And I cannot disagree. No, not I at all. I cannot disagree. I'm telling you, though, if they remake it, they need to have Pollyanna McIntosh be Jessica. Yeah, when you when you noted that, I was like, ooh, that's really good. Because she that's could really do it. Good. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, of course, uh, this month we've got a lot of excellent content uh, through Patreon. We just released our Friday the 13th commentary, mm-hmm. uh, the 1980, the OG. <laughs> uh, we actually have a request and review coming up this month, and that's actually our top tier. It is the Another Place tier. And part of that is one of the perks is you actually get to request us to review a film. And we've we've had the chance at this point to see some fantastic ones, wonderful ones, extraordinary dolls, Night of the Demons two. Mm-hmm. So we've we've requested and reviewed a few, and the, I'm not going to re- announce what it is yet because I want to make sure uh, the film family you know has access to that first. But it's from the year from the year two thousand from the year two thousand. And I actually have not watched it since I saw it in the theater in two thousand. So mm-hmm. I'm really anxious to check it out. Ooh. Yeah, a lot of good stuff coming up this month. So if you would like access to that and so much more, become a member of our film family by heading over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where, again, we have every tier from a squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. Oh, my goodness. So much, so much, so much. Now, speaking of another place. Oh, oh yeah, well, a place that 
horror is very welcome, genius. Mm-hmm. If I say the term exploitation, what springs to mind? Dax Shelters. <laughs> That's appropriate. That is very appropriate. <laughs> I was hoping for uh, some fantastic accents. Right. Uh, What's it all about? And no, Canadian Canadian exploitation is just. I would think instantly the one of the first ones I'd go to is Black Christmas. Black I mean, Christmas. just Cronenberg. Yeah, some of Canada, some of my don't dreams it bees it. Some of the best movies come from Canada. No, they have been one of the finest like, you know, exports of horror for so long. But like you said, a lot of it does come from the tax shelters and the incentives that the government will put out and it just drew they they anticipated to like kickstart the Canadian film industry, but they all they got were all these like horror so films coming in. <laughs> but see, that's the good thing though because like a lot of the ones that we still revere to this day, you can tell they were doing it because they truly wanted to put on a good movie as opposed to like let's launder some funds or like let's get some <laughs> let's get a little bit of free money. I mean like cuz this one has like heart and charm. I mean in a perverse Canadian 42nd Street way. It's it's wonderful. And then when you set it in a school where they're trying to convince you it's not in Canada, <laughs> It just adds so much more to it. Uh, it's almost like the Boston School from Spain in pieces. In pieces. No, yeah. pe- this would have played perfectly for this month. And for the entirety of August, we are going to be looking at movies set in schools or set primarily in schools where it's all about the horror of just school itself. Mm-hmm. And I, I, hopefully not you know, giving anyone deja vu or revisiting old material. But I will say this, man. High school was not fun for me. I was not the biggest fan of high school. So revisiting occasionally, it's just the PTSD kicks in. It's bringing those old school horrors in. You're not kidding. As long as we don't have to go into a high school at night, I'm okay for the most part. (laughs) It's when we revisit that stuff that that really, truly kicks it in for me. Again, there's something foreboding about high schools at night. Just schools in general, empty places that shouldn't be empty and are. It's almost like a Silent Hill effect. Well, and it's also you're not normally there. That mm-hmm. place should not exist at night. It just should not be there. Yeah. You know, out of sight, out of mind. I'm telling you, coming uh, after rehearsals, went for plays, when it was... Uh, and they were playing, the, the guy was playing the Halloween? Well, that, fucking that was at college. I mean, just coming out of an old rickety uh, high school plays, coming out of uh, those old timey the curtains that haven't been changed in 50 years everything's still like pulleys and almost have like a 500 pound sign on there because they're just big weights and you're going around in there at night and you come out and there's a hallway just nothing but darkness you're like god damn and this is before cell phones so you could just like have a flashlight instantaneously fortunately sometimes maybe moonlight or parking light light would come in there but then yeah no it's terrifying it's Again, I had a good time in high school, but at the same time, fuck all that at high school at night noise. That's that, fair. that sends off my like don't go into the woods radar off real quick. Well, well that's just it. It's it, almost like um, the law of the jungle. Mm-hmm. You know, again, where you go in, you're maybe even on the food chain potentially. Maybe. Maybe. It's school tough. That's school what you got to watch out school for. School tough. It's class of 1984, man. Mm-hmm. That movie terrified me as a kid, still terrifies me. But the whole idea of school is hell. You know, students are hell. Something is hell, basically. Prom is hell. Prom is hell. Well, let's get into it. Hello, Mary Lou. Prom Night 2 from the year of 1987. Actually, before we get into that, let's go all the way back to 1980, mm-hmm. to the original Prom Night, which was also a exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? It's got Leslie Nielsen as the principal... <laughs> Long before Principal Drebin. Oh, I remember. Didn't we do something about that? It may have competed. It was actually, I even think it was just a um, honorable mention in last year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Because I, I enjoy Prom Night, the original. It's just not one I like to revisit. I, it's a little bit too slow paced for me. I think everyone is really good in it, mm-hmm. but it's just not my particular cup of tea. Yeah, even though Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. is in it and Leslie Nielsen, I agree. It's like if I go, if I'm wanting a slasher, Prom Night, the original, is not one that I would go to. And I definitely wouldn't go to the remake, but that's a different story altogether. But at the same time, okay, so we have this original that's based on a slasher. Yes. You have the whole slasher tropes, and we want to make a sequel because it's the 80s. Absolutely. So let's. 
involve nothing to do with anything with the original. In fact, let's just actually change a pre-existing title and script <laughs> and then turn it into to capitalize on that IP originally. Let's make a franchise. So what would you prefer? Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, or The Haunting of Hamilton High? Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, because it's got, while Haunting of Hamilton High has that great alliteration, it will get lost in the shuffle with The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting yep. of Connecticut, blah, blah, blah. Even though this was made way back before those, there was still a lot of haunting of something or other. But Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, that can either be like some weird Dr. Seuss fantasy, or that could be like, a cool horror movie. Hello, Mary. It's just got that good sing-song aspect. It does have a rhythm to it, which is appropriate because this movie is, it's campy. It's, like you said, it's charming. I think there's part of that Canadian charm that just mm-hmm. naturally exudes uh, from it. But it's also mean. Oh, yeah. And it's violent. Oh, yeah. And it, there's a lot more nudity than I expected. It's gratuitous as all get out. Yeah, it is. That's... It's Vancouver's 42nd Street. <laughs> well... Come on in to the maple log, eh? You know, that's the name of the... <laughs> Sticky floors for maybe a different reason. Right. <laughs> At least we hope, potentially. <laughs> the Canadian Mounting Police. Like, that's where... <laughs> What you don't see is me shaking my head. I apologize for everyone on that. <laughs> no, I want to talk a little bit about the gratuity, because the first time I ever watched this, I was at my aunt's, ca- my aunt's house, she had Cinemax and Showtime. Oh, no. <laughs> so I viewed it on Cinemax. But here's the thing. I didn't start. I didn't uh, watch it the first time from start to finish. I came in right before that locker room scene. <laughs> and, I mean, from there on out, the film is escalating. Right. And I was just like, what is this movie? <laughs> so, of course, you do the reverse engineer. You look at the TV guide, and it's Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. So just basically made appointment television at that point to revisit it. Just stop in your tracks like, wah? It, well, that's just it. <laughs> I was looking over my shoulder the entire time going, someone's going to walk in on me at this point. Because it's something you don't see every day, especially no. in today's films. But you do have full frontal nudity in this one. Mm, a lot. It's extended. It's and a chase scene. It almost needed Benny Hill. <laughs> well, it would fit. Well, there's a lot to dig into with this film, I think, just in terms of text and subtext. Mm-hmm. Um, so you saw this first time, then edited technically through... Cap- the fir- yeah, the first time I saw it was a back-to-back feature on Captain USA, Commander USA. It was Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, and then Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 3. No, Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. Right. Yeah. And uh, I remember enjoying... I remember really enjoying Part 2 when I was a youngster, even on Commander USA, edited, because it was still like, Goofy and campy. Sure. But I remember really enjoying part three as well. But I think that might have been 12-year-old me. You know what I'm saying? I really need to watch that again. Because I haven't seen it since Commander USA. So I technically have never seen part three unedited. But when I did see part two unedited, thank you, Blockbuster. It was fantastic. Well, have you seen part four? Mm Mm-mm. And I have not. I've yet to see part three or f- part three or four. I've heard mixed things about both, mm-hmm. but I can just say from this, I yeah, I genuinely adore this movie. Um, ever since that moment, I have been kind of championing it. But it was definitely an underseen film. I feel for many years, but I do believe it is developing more of a cult following now. Obviously, with social media, that makes it easier to access. But I think Mary Lou is getting a cult follow. She's she's getting her followers right now. A whole new generation of horror fans finding Mary Lou. Like, yes, this movie and, is rad. And she's also a pretty kick-ass horror villain. Yes, she is. Especially the from uh, just human form to I totally forgot about the ending. Right, I when forgot you about have... that too. The birthing scene, the whole weird phantasm demons scene going on. I was again, it was a ni- very very nice surprise, but let's start at the beginning here because the, this... it opens great. It opens oh. wonderful with just like the confession and she's like, "Father, I have sinned. I have fornicated with boys, many many boys, many many times." And I was like, oh. and then the best, <laughs> and I, I loved, loved every yep. minute of it. And then the father's like, "Oh my heavens!" And I was like, <laughs> "That made me a giggle." As she left for a good time, and she left her phone number. The funny thing is, that was actually the director's real phone number, and like nobody called. Oh, that's a bummer, right? Oh my god. Well, it just sets the template for the character. 
everything you need to know about Mary Lou Marloni, it's right there. Mm-hmm. She is living she life, fuck. living life to the fullest, mm-hmm. and she then proceeds to go to prom. And listen, back in high school, I was very lucky. I still had like full head of hair at the time, very quaffed and what have you. There were some some people I went to high school that started losing their hair back then, but I don't know what it is. But did you notice that the the actor that was playing young Michael Ironside, he had a five head. He had his hair was running away from him. That's what happened. And listen, and I, but I can't hate because you know what? I haven't run in my notes. Whoever they got to play young Michael Ironside looks fucking like young Michael Ironside. Well, but young Michael Ironside in high school still, still looks, looks like, like old Michael Ironside. It does. And again, I can't say anything because with every day I go forward, man, my hairline it's it's like the it's like a the Zupreter the Zupreter film Zupreter film or the back. One. And to, and to the, the left. left. Uh, just every day. Back. It's horrible, man. It is. But he looks good. He looks like. He looks like young Michael Ironside. It's uncanny. It was weird because I was like, did they just like digitally de-age him like like for Marvel movies or some shit? <laughs> Canada's ahead of the game in a lot of things, but I don't know on the CGI <laughs> front there. Potentially. But we get the whole thing where she, he goes for punch really quickly she then proceeds to pounce to, on, on the other guy on the the town Lothario, and I was like, man, that's kind of fucked up because like she's like, oh, that dude's a square. I'm just with him because he's rich. He's and rich. He's over there like the fuck. And then <laughs> when he, I was like, Bud Cooper, you're a dick. Yeah, I mean, oh. he was such a dick about it. And the fact that later on he becomes a priest, I was like. He must have fucked up majorly where he had to turn to God. You know what I'm saying? Like something bad. Because he's not a good guy in high school. No, he was not on the path at that point. No. No, you're absolutely correct. But then we get what should have been technically like shenanigans turns into death. Death nanigans. Death nanigans. Yeah, this had a very Carrie vibe. Multiple times. This movie was almost, and I think the why a lot of people are finding uh, uh, the love today, it's almost like an 80s mixtape, like a greatest hits, because it's got a little bit of The Exorcist, it's got a little bit of Carrie, it's got a little bit of sl- horror slasher tropes. Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street all over the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. All over the place with this one. So there's a lot of mismatch. It's almost like a poutine. It is. No, and that's just it. You can add so many different things to it. You have to balance it, though, because we've seen films like this where they do throw in all those little mini genres. And, and it doesn't quite work. No, it can, it can throw it off pretty quickly. But I think the way that everyone approached the film, they, they put some serious work into it. Because here's the thing. We're going to have fun with this movie, but I genuinely enjoy it. I love the performances across the board. Mm-hmm. Wendy Lyon as Vicki Carpenter, yeah. she's stellar in this friggin' film. Like She is legit good. Michael Ironside. The great god of genre, just like the Canadian secret weapon, uh, from Cronenberg to, to Turbo Kid, which is also technically Canadian as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just—he's just all over the place. Yeah, he's like he's like uh, Molson. He's just as good as Molson. In fact, I think he was in a Molson commercial at one point. Has there ever been like a Michael Ironside, John Saxon buddy cop Canadian movie? Oh no! Oh no! I. It probably you're singing it wrong. Not those kind of shenanigans. No, 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 no. It's it's actually a shame. You know what? That might exist, but it's maybe not Canadian. It'll probably be like some Italian, yeah, thing there. No, I agree. But the full burn that we get because of the stink bombs was good, really good. I mean, the effects in this movie were top notch, great, wonderful. Which makes me wonder why it hasn't been more lauded in the days that it's just now finding that resurgence because i remember on commander usa enjoying it and wanting to seek it out but do you think it's hardcore prom night fans were disappointed that it was not really a continuation or extension of the original but how many prom hardcore prom night fans i mean you never know you never know it might well let's just think like with um halloween three uh friday the 13th part five you have those movies where it doesn't necessarily contain what you think it does, and it doesn't do as well, and they have to course correct. Maybe. I'm thinking maybe that's the case. I, I don't know. That's just an mm-hmm. idea. Because maybe they weren't prepared for a film like that. I know, right? Because they, they threw a lot of shit at the wall. 
in this movie. Well, what, what stuck a, for you then? A lot of shit stuck for me. First of all, again, we were talking about uh, how everybody did fantastic in this job, but um, whoever played the, the main role, um, let me pull up my IDB, she was giving me, I hate to say this, but she was giving me some hardcore Tina Yothers vibes, oh. right? And then Wendy but, Lyon. Wendy Lyon. And then when she started going on her dark down path, I was like, yep, Tina Yothers. You know, and I felt bad, but at the same time, you couldn't help but draw the comparison. And it's, you're I think it's gonna make people giggle because especially younger kids, the fashion in the movie, her friend, well, I I fucking dug the shit out of it with the big hair though. That giant hair. <laughs> oh my lord. I it for- was huge. And she was rocking those hammer pants and everything. I mean, did you see that? And then the funny thing is, I even wrote it down on my nose. Uh <laughs> when she had because she had the big hair and she then when she put on the haunted cape, right? And it was all purple and big. I was like, if Willy Wonka was Frankenfurter, cause like she had the big <laughs> I could just see the Oompa Loompas. It was great when it all began. I was a regular Frankie fan. Right? And there's fucking... <laughs> and there she is in a river of chocolate. Don't dream it. <laughs> and I felt terrible because, like, the next scene, she got hung just after we got this PSA out of nowhere that she was pregnant. pregnant. So I'm like, okay, 30... Normal, no normal horror movies are not going to kill a pregnant girl. But not only did they they tease that decapitation, which I, I was I, almost like, do it, right? But don't because she's pregnant. See, it's it's looking back, it's kind of a reflection of the mirror. Like, genius, are you really rooting for her to be decapitated, even <laughs> right? though you know she's pregnant? Right? Don't you feel bad about this? And but then here's what I don't get. So then they hung her, right? Oh, yeah. She got hung. Then she got thrown out the window, and they're like, oh, it looks like a suicide. Well, first of all, fucking pick a lane, Mary Lou. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, do you want it to make it look like a suicide? Because the, the hanging would have been just fine. You didn't have to, like, go the You know what? Did she like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> well, you talked about how mean this movie is. So that's mean to kill a pregnant girl after you just learned. I mean, the scene before Arts and Crafts where she gets it was them in the bathroom, and it was 100% an after-school special starring Tina Yothers. Yes, it was. Because she's like, oh, what's the matter, Tina? Or whatever the hell her name was. I for- Oh, no, it was um, Jesse. What's the matter, Jesse? It's like, oh... You know, I just broke up with my boyfriend. Oh, that's such bad news. It's his loss. Yeah, but he left something to remember me by. And I'm like, she's oh. pregnant. And then, like, there, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, ah. Oh, well, we'll figure it out together. Bum, 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 bum. Happy ending in normal, any other normal exactly, movie. Exactly, exactly. Not in Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. She gets fucked up. I was like, that's extraordinarily mean. Just to hang her. Oh, it looks like she killed herself. How? <laughs> Like, which one? Do you think there's just inept Canadian cops up there, potentially, that just have a hard time nailing those? It's something dirty, isn't it? That every <laughs> Bunch of Sergeant Nashes everywhere, You're sadly. Right. <laughs> no, I agree. The misdirection, I actually... I remember the first few times that always upset me, because, you know, in, in the it's late 80s, it's all about the... Yeah. But then, just that little bit, it, again, just adds the meanness to it. Now, the other thing that I really, really dug was the chalkboard bit. The chalkboard was great. I was like, holy shit. That it had so many cool transformations by one, the hands coming out. Yes. And then trying to drag her in. And then when it turned into a pool, it was seamless. Then when the pool started swirling around, it's all the little letters and everything as well mm-hmm. that's, that's going what through there. No, it's almost like the added texture to it. Uh, apparently, that took like five days to shoot. Super complicated. I don't know if it's like the major set piece of the film, but in terms of special effects, the practical, and I think probably a combination of some visual effects as well. Mm-hmm. And back in 87, that to me is, it would be totally different now. It's kind of like in A Nightmare on Elm Street when they initially did Freddy in the Wall, mm-hmm. and it was that pliable material. Yeah, it was the real stuff. And in the remake, they did it CGI. It didn't look the same. No, and I think they would do the same thing now with that kind of a gag. But the fact that there was. Three gags in one, you know, and they all worked so well together, and they all blended it quite well together. It's the blending, I think. It's mm-hmm. the editing. It's the camera work. Again, there is so much that could have probably gone wrong with a movie like this. I'll tell you one thing that went wrong was that um, rocking horse. Fuck all that noise. One, oh boy. what the fuck, oh and then two, why? 
You know boy. what I'm saying? Just that, that Leary that, rocking horse. Let's talk about the rocking horse because that was unsettling. That's nightmare fuel right there. That and was the scariest thing in the whole goddamn movie was that rocking horse. You could probably pair this with the documentary Zoo and it would work as a double feature. Now, you're giving me a look. Don't look up Zoo. But if any of you We Hate Movies fans out there know Zoo, you know exactly what I'm talking Is about. People who diddle animals? It's dirty. Yeah, Nash would not be happy with this one. It's about a man named Mr. Hand. Don't oh, look no. it up. Don't look it up. Oh, and we're no. not talking about Mr. Hand from Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> That's a whole nother thing. Or is it? <laughs> this, oh my God, this, this, the premise of this thing, just first and foremost, having that little weird rocking horse in your room in high school, is it more nostalgia? Is it, just, is it just supposed to show how innocent she is at the beginning? It's the mom's doing. You think so? I know so, because look at that mom. She was straight out of Carrie. She was. She was. I mean, she was straight out of Carrie. She's like, you will go to your room and pray on it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Even when she was getting possessed, like she's not feeling, feeling good. Good boy, because you need God. And I was like, really? I, I don't think... Well, praying might help, but no, it didn't help the priest. Oh, no, not at all. Not, and his, his holier, literal holier-than-thou thing, when he confronts Michael Ironside, he's like, no, she's back. Only this will save you. Ironically, yes. Dominus. When he gets dug up here, we see that he was indeed killed with his own cross. Uh, there, And that... That's got to be terrifying for the priest because when he gets it, he's get that existential crisis right before he dies because she's like, Mary Lou, and he got like, you know what? There's no heaven. There's oh. no hell. I didn't get my fucking wings. I didn't get my <laughs> like that. It, I loved her transformation. When she became Mary Lou, she was great at Mary Lou. Well, then again, Wendy Lyon is legitimately good in this film because she is portraying two separate elements. And she also goes, at, she does like a subtle transformation because then there's. The, it's a slow possession, and then we literally have her enveloped in. Is that a in chalkboard? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's like a whole Zool thing going on. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. But then when we get the changed horse, when she's fully possessed, and yeah, she yeah, is, yeah. you've got the tongue hanging out. It's unsettling. And then the worst part. Then it turns into House Lannister. Yeah, full House ah! Lannister. So disturbing. Ah. And the lack of pull away from the dad who is just letting this happen. <gasps> that gave me the heebies. That's one of my. <laughs> yeah, that's another deal breaker. Mm-hmm. That's an absolute deal breaker. I was like, you know, up until then, because then she turned into like a raving sex monster. Like afterwards, just wanted to diddle everybody and everything. Well, it's Mary Lou in a newfound body. Mm-hmm. You actually get some. Again, good, subtle stuff when she first discovers that she's in the new body. It's just the little things with the hands. I really... Wendy Lyon was in The Shape of Water. As this one of the secretaries. Yes. Yeah. So she's been steadily working since. I I kind of want to go back now and revisit that just to go have that Rick Dalton moment. Okay. Go, oh. I really was impressed with everything she did in this movie. In fact... Not only was I impressed, a genius, but uh, Charlize Theron was very impressed with her performance in this film. Uh, there's a, a podcast called How Did This Get Made? Uh, it's got Paul Shear, June Diane Raphael, and, um, uh, uh, Z- uh, oh my God, Zan... Zamfir, master of the pan flute. <laughs> Not quite, Jason Manzukis. Oh. Uh, but, they had, but they had Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen on talking Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. And to hear Charlize Theron gush over Wendy Lyon's performance, like, she's like, no, I've won an Academy Award, I'm telling you, that is a legit good performance. Hearing her gush over it was so charming and wonderful. Mm-hmm. They went on this whole, um, like, spiel about the, the full frontal nudity. <laughs> and I was not expecting that. No, not at all. And it's not played, I don't think, to titillate so much as it is more of, like you said, kind of a cat-and-mouse game. And apparently, the way it was scripted was she was supposed to be in a towel at that point. Oh, just run across. You're good. Yeah, you did. Uh, But she and I think the director on the day, he was like, would you be willing to do that? And she's like, no, that's fine. Was totally game for it. And adds a little, because of the kind of the casualness, I think, of the nudity, 
adds a little bit of the terror to it as yeah, well. Yeah, it does because she's like, whatever. I'm Mary Lou. Look what I, I'm gonna kill you. I yeah. don't care. And then because at, at first it was like, ha ha, kiss, kiss, kiss. And then, oh, when they did a little because it, it wasn't supposed to be titillating, but it started off because they're like, ha, being playful. Oh, when she walks in on the and shower, and then they're with like, her. hey, what are you doing? Ha ha ha. Now and I'm like, God damn, Mary Lou, you're just assaulting everybody. You Zero are to a, eleven. You're a goddamn diddler. She's like just going around. Trying to molest priests, trying to molest like high school kids, trying to molest her dad, trying to molest like her best friend. I'm like, God damn, Mary Lou. Does she have a bucket list of some sort that she's trying to check off here? I guess she's been dead for 50 fucking years, so she's making up for lost time. She's just become, she's a sex maniac. She's just going off. And like, there's even points, there's even great quips that she does. Is like when she was yelling at Michael Ironside for the first time, she was talking about her son. She's like, oh, he, he's a good boy. It's too bad he wouldn't. No, what did he say? She said something really good. Uh, I even wrote it down. Oh, wonder what he would have been if when he grows up. And I'm like, God damn, Mary That's Lou. Rough. You're That's... mean. Well, and it's funny. You can say the same kind of line and Jason lives. Uh, what were you going to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Play it for laughs. But in here, Woo! it's sinister. Oh, it's very sinister. But it's still funny and campy enough and also wild enough because, again, the characters, you had the one with the big hair and then you had the um, nerdlinger. Okay, and the nerdlinger character now is, I couldn't tell, and this is, I don't know if I'm getting confusing my Canadian actors here, but there's the guy that starts the film with that really weird monologue about the potato. Yeah. Is that the same nerdlinger? As the one with the computer? Yeah. I believe so. Okay. And I went on such a emotional journey with them where I was like kind of rooting for him and then like, aw. And then I'm like, yay. And then, aw. And then, all right. Aw. And it wasn't like Oz because he lost, but sometimes they were like Oz because I was disappointed in him. Yep. Or like I was Oz because I was like, oh man, rats, you almost had it. Or like then, aw. Because first, I got to respect the guy for his potato rodeo. It's all about showmanship. If the Simpsons have taught me one of many things, it's to win a science fair, you need to be one part P.T. Barnum and one part Albert Einstein. But did so, P.T. Barnum lick any of the, the performers? Skinner. Well, I would think so, actually. I haven't seen The Greatest Showman, but I'm sure something's in there. Yeah, I probably let him. He lick probably, he probably licked Hugh Jackman. Few. That's fine. He probably licked a few. I'm talking about the real fucking P.T. Barnum. Oh, he probably licked a few people. That's fair. That's fair. But that's, I guess, part of the performance. But that's... Little things like that are very noticeable. Yeah, and then I was like, okay, cool. So I like him. And then when he was, when then he was trying to get a friend before we'll get to her great death. Oh boy, she's like, you know what? How come nobody wants to date me? Hey, can we have a nice guy? Because he came out super fucking respectful too. He's like, hello. I was wondering if you know maybe after class, me yeah. and you could have a small discussion about get fucking lost, asshole. How come nobody wants to date me or ask me out? And I'm like, well, there you go, right did, there. Did you catch that guy's unibrow? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that did. was me in high school, so I felt real bad for him. Well, because well, he also had that weird shaped head and that haircut with the mullet. He looked like one of those knockoff He-Mans you get in Mexico, right? <laughs> it was rad, right? But then it was moments like that that made me giggle. And then the fact that everybody's named after horror people, like Cray- Professor Craven, Craven yeah. and like Vicky Kelly, Vicky Carpenter, Kelly, the bad girl who is a character. We'll talk about her. Her name is Hennen Lauder. Hennen Lauder. Hennen Lauder. That's not a common name. No, that is not. And well, so this is 87. Uh, the year before, Jason Lives, they did the same thing. They named everyone. So mm-hmm. was that in the... Uh, Night 86, of the Creeps. Night of the Creeps, yeah. So in was it 86 and 87 where it was just you had to name your characters after horror icons or horror uh, filmmakers? You're wearing your love on your sleeve, I guess. That's fair. You know? That's fair. But so then <laughs> going back to the Nerdlinger, because I think, not that he stole the show from me, but I was like not necessarily most invested in, but aside from our main character, I was the one like, okay. So he's like, hey, you know, you want to go out with me? No, right? And then... He, I, I wrote down he had respectful determination, where he wasn't like, 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 okay, you know what, one of these days, me and you are gonna date or something like that, you know, something, sure. and where he was respectful to her the whole time, and then finally, you know, I'm gonna be there at the same time, you're gonna be at the, okay, sure, and I'm like, hey, good for Nerdlinger, right, and then like later on. When Kelly Hennenlauter comes in, it's like, hey, if you change the prom results, I'll give you money, right? And he goes, ah. Uh, and I'm like, well, 
And before he goes, uh, I was like, well, at least you have your integrity and that can't be bought. And then he's like, well, you know what I want? And I'm like, oh, nerdlinger. God damn it. I mean, it is the 80s in high school, another time, another place. Indeed. But at the same time, like, damn it, nerdlinger. Well, you know what? He kind of gave me a Billy Jane as buddy and just one of the guys vibes where just had a little bit of the personality. Like you said, there was a little bit more charisma mm-hmm. with the character and that actor. And I think he's also, I think actually his character, uh, or at least that actor, was in all four of the prom nights. Because he's the producer's son. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not. I think the producer's name was like uh, Philip Hickok or something like that. And the kid's name is like Brandon Hickok or something like that. So, yeah, this. That's why he's in all of them. Uh, that so. would make sense. That would make sense. Well, let's get to the bad girl then, because it looks like you had a few things to say. She was ridiculous. Kelly Hennenlotter, I didn't know whether to hate her or love her. That's just it. Every time I would, she would do something I disliked, or she would do some, something else, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can kind of get behind that. That's funny. That's, that's funny. She would say something funny or oh, like yeah. do something hilarious, and I'm like, okay, well, you got cool points in my book now. Well, that's when you can actually make your side characters a little bit more memorable and give them some personalities rather than just making them carbon copies of people we want to see die. But what's with fucking with people while they're playing sports in 80s movies? Because I was getting some major sleepaway camp vibes when they were playing volleyball. The volleyball. Right? I was just waiting for Kelly to come out with a side ponytail and a shirt that said Kelly. We did get some side ponytail at the very beginning. We got a lot of side ponytail. Yes, we, we got big hair. We got a lot of big hair. Between, <laughs> between Wonkenferder and like... Kelly, we got a lot of big hair. I think half the production uh, budget went into the hairspray. Aquanet. (laughs) The depletion of the ozone was due to Hello, Mary Lou, prom night two. But then again, so she comes out, so Kelly Hennenlotter comes in. I'm going to call her Kelly Hennenlotter because... K-H. Right? For sure. That's her... Miss Hennenlotter, if you're nasty. Oh, you don't want to be nasty (laughs) with Hennenlotter? The Hennenlotter, nasty just runs in them family veins. (laughs) It's yeah, it's appropriate then for Forty Second Street here, Canadian Forty Second Street with uh, Miss Hen and Lauder. Uh, the Hen and Lauder tree is not a family tree; it's a swamp log. So <laughs> that's good. That's good. So, so Hen and Lauder comes up with the uh, with her fucking ladybug dress, right? <laughs> She like I guess this, actually, you know, you're not wrong. You're not wrong because she's been talking shit the whole time, oh. the whole fucking time, just bad talking shit. And then finally, she's like, "Well, you lost, okay." And I'm like, "Damn it, Hannah Lauder, you sh- neither of you should should have sold out your morals, but whatever. It's high school sure. consenting adults, kind of, right? kind of yeah." <laughs> but her come her major comeuppance wasn't her death in this movie her major comeuppance was the sick burn in that movie which she <laughs> that was that was actually a cameo by the screenwriter really so that's was his well, he got joke. the one his he got thing. to say his joke because in fairness if i was a screenwriter and that was the great joke and i was You're like good. well you know what if i can come and cameo and do that joke of course i'm gonna fucking cameo but she I thought you are going to be queen. How'd you blow it? And I was like... <laughs> and then her weird Fabio-ass boyfriend... Oh, my God. Sh- that guy- <laughs> he was like- Sadio, dude. He was like... Because <laughs> he was like, Hey, what's the matter, Kelly Hen and Lauder? And I'm like... <laughs> he was almost as bad as the dude from The Mutilator. The Jefferson Darcy. Oh, that's right. But you almost. Know, he was um, just... You could actually do a really weird like horror expendables of those <laughs> that particular trope and make a hell of a film because you're gonna want kind of them all to die regardless. Right. But no, I agree. That but that's why this movie works, I think. There's that kind of charm with these side characters. I mean, he's memorable in that way. It's not necessarily a good way, right? But you you remember just the oafishness of it. Everybody, gentle is, oaf. And you know what? <laughs> and everybody's terrible, and everybody gives their comeuppance in some way or another. Like in Carrie, the mom gets impaled. Spoilers on Carrie. In Carrie, the mom gets impaled via knives. In this movie, she gets fucking blasted out the window like telekinesis powers. It was almost like Mrs. Deagle and Gremlins. I would have. Well, and the dad, I think, goes away, gets away unscathed. I don't know, man. He mentally might well, no, be yeah, scared. Oh, yeah, he's, he's gonna he's gonna fucking remember that fucking time for a while. He's gonna have some flowers in the attic with that. Exactly, dude. Kelly, now, now uh, she can't go home. No, you're she's, right. First of all, she fucking killed her mom via telekinesis. 
pieces. And then second of all, she tried to diddle her dad. So there's no Christmas reunion yeah. in that family. We're going to hit the road after right. this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, where it culminates, actually, uh, we get Carrie, the Carrie... The, the Carrie, Carrie connection? Yeah, is kind of, it bookends, basically. And we get, we talked about it earlier, and kind of our surprise, the fact that I totally forgot that we get Mary Lou coming out and doing her Carrie-esque shenanigans, mm-hmm. and we get psychokinesis powers. It's kind of undefined, but I'm totally okay with Me that. Me too, and the fact that like she comes out of her body in such a very cool way, and she like reverse... Like she gets morphs. them really ooey gooey to kind of normal again. Right, right. It was a really nice effect from ew to not well, a deal breaker. <laughs> well, when she was more ooey, I really dug the design. Mm-hmm. She just was twitching yeah. a lot. Yeah, and everyone, I mean, everyone reacts appropriately. And I also love the fact that Michael Ironside, in the beginning, he sets fire to her, and at the end, he just like fills her full of freaking lead. It's Just unreal. The fact that she's still that she's still Vicky Carpenter, and he comes out like, "Hey, Pally, pop, 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 pop." I hate Brum, right? But however, I hate Brum. However, Michael Ironside would say it, right? And everybody's like, "Jesus Christ, it's fucking Michael Iron, Principal Ironside," right? That'd be terrifying enough. But then to get it worse, that like an undead spirit of one of the pink ladies from Greece just comes out of nowhere. Fucking Rizzo just emerges out of this used-to-be-Puritan chase girl turned into rampant sex machine. And then this goblin monster comes out. She talks. Now, here's the thing. Here's the one thing. I was really excited for more carnage. Like, I kind of wanted to see all the high school kids get it, you know? Mm -hmm. Because she got distracted really quick, and that was the only thing I was like, oh. But other than that, because then it's like, hey, this is me you want. Uh, it's Michael Ironside. No, it's the kid. She's like, oh, let's go get him. But it offered some really good scares, that little, like, that um, chase that they did. Are you talking about the, the doorway? The yes. doorway hallway scare? That fucking got me. I was did not remember, did not expect that. Because I was expecting her to pull a demon. like, <laughs> come down the stairs with the arms of flail. But yet, no, she come, pops right up in front of him and like, holy shit, I almost dropped, knocked over my post-toasties. I was like, what the fuck is going on? It's the simplest of scares. But it's If you effective. think about it. Yeah, oh my God. It's, it was Mary Lou was just hiding behind the door. Meanwhile, her stunt double was on top of the stairs. It's so good. And she palmed it. And then just, uh, palm. And I was like, ah! <laughs> it adds a little cat and mouse at the very end. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that. And... Then the the final comeuppance, of course, is he puts on the crown, and we get you know the closure. And, but what I like is that this film, and again, a continuation, obviously, of course, we miss something huge. What do we miss? A wop, bob, a loobop, a wop, bam, sp- boom, sploosh. Wonderful, another simple but effective kill. We don't see her die, but just the lockers imploding. And then the little bit of mess that falls out there, that struck me. Because, again, the first time I watched it, I walked into that scene. So all I'm seeing is the full frontal nudity and then that. And I'm like, what am I watching? I love this movie. Right. And watching it again, it's very effective. The casualness of it, the gratuity of it, but also the charm of it. It just, it's a great, it is a great set piece. You're mm-hmm. right. Oh, my God. I cannot... Glad we talked about that. Would have been horrible. In fact, I better make sure I go through. Uh, we've talked giant hair. Yes, <laughs> so much hair, so much hair. But no. you know what? I fucking loved her Buffalo Bill confession when she's like, she's like, uh, one more thing, Pastor. Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me so hard, right? I could just picture organ music. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That would have been good. See, this is good. And then, and then another thing, fucking with that priest. We got to even talk about the priest. Like, first of all, he was an asshole. Second of all, what was terrible is when he was talking about, like, at one of the funerals of one of the girls, one of the first. He's like, hey, you know what? I also blame the MTV and the rock and roll music. And I'm like, dude, now's not the time for a sermon, father. We're in the middle of a funeral, you know? So, like, I'm like, God damn, you really do deserve to die. You're still an asshole, man of the cloth or not. 
this film definitely has a stance on the Catholic Church. Yeah, a lot of Canadian movies do. Wasn't Silent Night, Deadly Night? No, that was, yeah. I think okay. that was Canadian. I am, po- I'm almost positive that was a, a, tax, a Canadian tax shelter film. Man, what is it with that? There's a- what is a boot? What is a what boot is with a, a religion? Boot? Right? My goodness. We believe in freedom of everything, eh? <laughs> well, did SCTV ever do anything like that? I'm sure they've got a sketch or two <laughs> regarding that. Uh, the other thing that I do want to highlight really quickly, though, is amongst the cult of Mary Lou, it is getting a pretty strong uh, LGBTQ following, um, which, again, you can interpret this movie as a number of ways. Uh, Vicky's versioning sexuality, uh, the coming out literally of mm-hmm. a character. So do you... Would you pair this film with A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge? Could you? I think you definitely could. I think you definitely could pair it. Especially not only with the uh, LGBTQ plus uh, undertones, but also with the whole nightmare mm-hmm. logic of a lot of things going oh, on. Yeah. Like with the nightmare cafeteria and the whole fun, which was weird, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> and the whole chalkboard element. And, you know, I think, yeah, I think that would be a good double feature because those are two... Underrated and underseen movies. Absolutely, absolutely. And I hopefully more people are finding, again, they are really are flocking to this at this point. Um, I know more podcasts have been, it's been on mentioned. Uh, Joe Bob, uh, you remember actually when we were doing, we were doing the the Joe Bob things at Tapcade. Mm-hmm, and it was Hello Mary Lou prom night too. Of course, that was also the fateful night of uh, the Marvelous Purvo. Because that the opened. Marvelous Purvo is coming at you. <laughs> Go back when we talked a little bit of Blood Harvest. That was actually not a bad double feature that evening. Uh, Final thoughts here, Genius, on Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2? Oh, yeah, man. So here's another question I got for you. Is Mary Lou still a name? Because, you know, you hear a lot of, like, or has it gone kind of by the wayside of, like, Esther and, like... Irene... I I don't know. I have not... There's not a lot of... Hello, my name is Mary Lou. Because you think of, like... Not necessarily a rube, but like definitely somebody from the fifties or with of a country. Uh, my name was Mary Lou, something or other from Possum Shank, Utah, or something like that. Well, I know if someone would introduce me to themselves as Mary Lou, I'm gonna automatically either the Hello Mary Lou or Mary Lou Retton. Yes. So if they're shorter, Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> if they're doing flips, but anything and shit, else, yeah. Shit. If they're doing flips and shit, it's still a fifty-fifty shot. So That's fair. No, that is I mean, fair. No, I it is it is a name that is on the wayside, but like you said, it has some potential, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I wrote down fucking Michael Ironside, he was Principal Loomis when he comes in and he shoots her. Suspended you six, six times. times. <laughs> ben Tramer, please report to the office. Ben Tramer, please report to the office. <laughs> Could you insert Michael Ironside into any film and does it automatically make it better? Yes, depending on if he comes out and he's goofy like oh, oh, Michael Ironside. I don't know if Have he, you ever I don't think I don't think he's ever been goofy. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Yeah. Cuz he can go over the top uh, Overdog from uh The Adventures of Space Hunter, I believe, which hmm. might be no, I don't think that's a Canadian shot tax shelter film. But I'm glad everybody got their comeuppance. The creepy teacher got their comeuppance. Uh, let's see. The priest got their... That creepy teacher was fucked up. I'm glad he got his dick burned off. Yes, that was very unsettling. Yeah, I, again, little elements like that that I forget, which I'm pretty sure why I remember why I forget, because I'm like, ew, ew. <laughs> uh, the corrosion and the picture. When he gets zapped by the computer... That oh, was yeah. a good kill. That's not bad. That's that was not a bad. fun kill. That's not, and especially that's early, early CGI stuff. Then, I, and again, this is a very good combination melding of practical and that kind of cartoonish a little. And, but and I'm glad that the power of true love didn't win because when if you're first watching it, you're like, "What happened? Michael Ironside kissed her, and then everything's all good." You know? No, that's fair. And also, technically, um, the boyfriend for the most part, uh, Craig, he's actually not a bad guy. No. Throughout, because no, he seems Michael Ironside's kid. He seems pretty, yeah, level-headed and cool. I Which mean, makes the ending just more tragic because Vicky comes back. She seems normal, and we get that great thing of they're playing our song, Mary Lou, that Ricky Nelson tune. Possess or not, that would still be terrifying if Michael Ironside just turned around with his creed. They're playing our 
Mars song. You're like, oh fuck, there's there's no music playing, dude. God what are you damn, talking Rick, about? You're, get your ass to Mars and away from me. Shit. We'll be seeing you at the party, my friend. <laughs> God damn, that's right. He's in Total Recall. Gee, see, he does add make everything, everything a little bit better. Yeah, I'm telling you, we need we needed a John Saxon, Michael Ironside, gritty detective comedy. No, we don't. No, because now it's going to make me sad that we don't have that, and we <laughs> can't have that now. That's the worst la, part. La 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 la. I'm telling you. So if anyone's curious about this, and it's going to, it's, I think, have we already discussed this and how when we hear shenanigan music, we're going to be doing that? We discussed the shenanigan music aspect, but we didn't okay. go into we a little bit of where it's from. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? Next week, we can do whatever we want, because Genius, we are going to be celebrating a very magic number. We're going to be celebrating our 300th episode. Woo! Ho! 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 Spartans! So if we would like, we can we can devote an entire episode to Terrence Buddy. Hill and Bud Spencer. Because we can it's our show, goddammit. Right. Uh no, but uh beyond next week's episode, then the remainder of the uh of the uh, episodes we're gonna be doing here in August will be school-based horror. And there's a couple of them I know that are gonna be first-time watches for me, so I am very, very excited for that. Did we hit everything on your list? I believe so. All right. Well, until next week when we uh, we dine in hell here, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Yeah.